Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. Jurassic Views, Ottawa's Raptors podcast, Bryce Diamond, here to talk about, what else? Raptors basketball. Now, you can tell, since the first game of the season, when the Raptors beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, I believe the Western Conference's number one team in conversation right now in power rankings to be the NBA's uh, best team. That's, that's pretty impressive. After that win, which we never expected, uh, you know, the Timberwolves to be that good. You know, they have a 17-4 and four record, best in the NBA. Power rankings put them number one. They have a top five defense. I think a top two defense, to be honest. They're on a six-game winning streak. No one thought when we won that game that that would turn out to be one of our most impressive wins of the season. Of course, we beat Phoenix. We beat Indiana in Indiana. Uh, Congratulations to the Indiana Pacers for being the runner-up, the first-ever runner-up in the first-ever in-season tournament. The IST, very successful, I would say. Um, but for the Raptors at nine and 13, eight and 13, since that first game, no one would have expected that we would have played and beaten such a good team in the Timberwolves. But since then, the vibes, the online comments have been pretty negative and there's a lot to be frustrated about. And I think in my last episode last week, seems like a Monday uh, episode is, is kind of the rhythm we're in right now. Uh, it seems like this Raptors team may have peaked <laughs> on the first game of the season. But we knew, we knew there were flaws, major flaws in this roster construction. And whether or not they could have got Damian Lillard, whether Masai was just too conservative. The bottom line is that this team is struggling. Uh, Recently, the Toronto Raptors lost a brutal game, um, a miserable game, to the Lamello Ballless Charlotte Hornets. The Raptors did have a five-point lead middle, uh, midway through the fourth quarter. To, to lose that game is 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 tough. It really, really is tough. Scotty had a great game. Don't get me wrong. He also missed a free throw to tie the game uh, with less than 10 seconds to go. So that that's something to remember because a lot of people are, are just talking about how everybody let Scotty down. That's not true. Scotty had some mistakes. He probably let himself and the team down a bit when he missed the free throw, but Precious had a good game. Pascal had 
25 points going 11 for 15 from the field. I mean, he had a pretty good game. So it wasn't just Scotty who, you know, had a game that a good game that was erased because of a terrible loss. Uh, and there's been a lot of comments. There's little, been a lot of questions whether Gary Trent should be inserted into the starting lineup. They lost to the Miami Heat. Again, a game very tight in the fourth quarter. They found themselves within a possession. A lot of people thought, what a horrible loss that was. You're at home against a team who doesn't have Bam at a bio a team who is is always underrated in the regular season. And a lot of people thought that was a brutal loss. Now, I think Miami over the last four years, I think Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler uh, have proved that you got to have respect for them no matter who's on the floor. I think Eric Spolstra deserves some of our respect. So if we lose the Miami Heat, you go big picture – and, and you see a loss beside the Raptors in that game. Yeah, sure. It's a winnable game. But this is not the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, this is, you know, this is, this is not the Chicago Bulls up 17 um, when you're playing the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. This is not the Portland Trailblazers where you scored 91 points against a very suspicious defense. That's, that's not who the Miami Heat are, even without Bam Adebayo. They have got quality. They have got high standards. And they have guys who keep coming at you at both ends of the floor. So, yeah, is it is it a game that was winnable? For sure. So was the Cleveland game. So was the Brooklyn game. Uh, but the Miami Heat, out of all those games, uh, are, are probably not far away off what you expect Cleveland would do against the Raptors in Cleveland, right? But regardless, we're in a very frustrating part of the season. We're we're one in five in our last six. As I've said, we've lost four games that were very winnable. Our only win was against the Phoenix Suns. And there's a lot of conversations online. Forget about the negativity aspect of it, the pessimism the highly critical nature of people's comments, there's a lot of questions about the starting lineup. There's a lot of questions about this roster construction. There is no doubt, even when we were eight and eight, that our, you know, that we had played our best basketball. As much as I joked about peaking after the first game uh, or peaking during the first game, uh, that's not true. That's not true. The, our best basketball is ahead of us. Will the Raptors decide to tank? I doubt it. Um, will the Raptors decide to make trades? That's possible, uh, certainly in the next two weeks. I don't like when there's a lot of chatter within the media. Uh, you've heard me talk about this back in, in, in January last season before the tread date deadline, six weeks before the trade deadline, who are we going to trade? Um, I don't like that. Uh, you know, you've got to focus on the process of this season. And again, when you're not 
experienced as a GM, as a president of basketball operations, when you're not experienced as a coach, you're not experienced uh, as an NBA player, I, I question your knee-jerk reactions. I question your want to fix it. I question that uh, because you have not been there. Listen, as bad as the Raptors are this season in terms of their record, they're not far off from where they were last year. And we talked about, you know, construction, roster construction stuff, right? When the Raptors just crashed and burned in Tampa, uh, that was frustrating. But remember, there was roster construction issues. And we said all kinds of things about Pascal Siakam then, and then he turns out to be an NBA all NBA player story, and he turns out to be uh, an, an all star the next year. So to, to to be a top twenty five player back to back years after so many people were just shellacking him with negativity and criticism uh, when the Tampa season happened, you know, I think those people got to check themselves. Remember, there was a lot of apology letters that were going around circulating, right? But you you look at 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 the league right now, okay. You look at the standings, and you got to do these things. We're right beside the Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls have won four in a row, and I guess that makes sense, right? They've got stars that are older, that um, you know probably should have higher ambitions than when they were uh, five and and fourteen, and and good for them for turning around a bit. The the Atlanta Hawks, similar place as we were last year. Um, and now they're in the same kind of position. They've lost three in a row just like us. They're nine and 12. Do you think they want to be there? And and there could be lots of negativity in Atlanta. Um, you know, the Charlotte Hornets, Washington Wizards, Detroit Pistons, uh, I don't even think they're trying uh, to, to make the playoffs. Doesn't mean that they're not trying when they're on the court. I think the players are. But as a franchise, they're not focused on this year. And, and they're not focused on, on winning basketball games. They're trying to trust the process of, of development. And, you know, when you're a team like the Hornets and you don't have LaMelo Ball, that's, that's going to sting, right? You look at the other side, the Western Conference. The New Orleans Pelicans, they're 12 and 11. They, they have a number one pick in Zion Williamson, who is supposed to be the second coming of LeBron James. That hasn't happened for many reasons. Uh, first and foremost, he's not LeBron James. As good as he is, as athletically gifted as he is, as physically uh, dominant as he can be, he's not LeBron James. Uh, and so they're 12 and 11. They have another lottery pick, Brandon Ingram. He's, he's good. Don't get me wrong. I'd be happy to have Brandon Ingram on my team. Brennan Ingram has made the All-Star game at least twice, um, but he's kind of similar to Pascal. He's got, he's, he's got some great strengths, and then he's got some weaknesses. The four-time champs, Golden State Warriors, no, no Jordan Peele, sorry, no Jordan Poole. <laughs> uh, he plays like he, he, he's a comedic guy. Um, he makes faces like a, a comedian, but they're tw- 10, 12, you know, were they, were they wanting to be that bad this year? The Memphis Grizzlies 
who have made the playoffs three straight years. They're six and 15. Where's rookie of the year, John Morant? Where's most valuable player, John Morant? Right? Um, the San Antonio Spurs, who drafted Victor Wembanyama, they've lost 16 straight. Yeah, I trust the process. Um, you, you've got to, to enjoy basketball. You can't just be highly critical all the time. And the NBA is finicky, right? The NBA is very finicky. They're finicky in making trades. Uh, they're finicky in, in what style of game. Again, we've heard it over and over. It's a copycat league. There's only so many things you can do on that floor and with the rules and with the players. And the game is at its very best. And the margins, as we've talked about, are very small. The, the room for error is paper thin. And it comes down to shooting most nights. Although the Los Angeles Lakers were able to beat the Indiana Pacers in the in-season tournament going two for 13 from downtown. And they have not shot the ball well from behind the arc. It, it, it's a, it's so competitive. When you're in among the top 450 players in the league, when you're playing arguably the best 30 teams in, in franchise or club professional basketball outside of the national teams, and you're doing night after night this, this hard work of trying to beat those teams. I mean, there's maybe five or six teams in the league, maybe seven at the most. There's probably four in the Western Conference, um, you know, and, and, and three in the Eastern Conference that are just throwing games away because they're focused on development. And, and then there's that middle pack, right? Um, there's the Pacers, the Cavaliers, the Knicks, the Nets, the Heat, the Hawks, the Raptors, the Bulls. In the Eastern Conference, that's eight teams. If you put us in a seven-game series, in all honesty, you put us in a seven-game playoff series against any of those teams from five to 12, it could go either way. It really could. Yes, the Knicks smacked us down the other night, but... It might come down to who has home court advantage if we played the Knicks in a seven-game series. Same with the Cavaliers. You give us home court advantage, it's going to be interesting. It really will be because we'll be focused on, on you know, their weaknesses. We'll be focused on making our strengths better and playing to our strengths. Now, I would put my money on the heat coming out of a tournament that involved the 5 to 12 in the East, but it's tight. And yet record-wise, the Pacers are 12 and 8, Cavs are 13 and 9. We're, you know, we're four games behind those two teams. And we've lost to a couple of them, we've beat a couple of them, and the margins have been very thin. But let's let's take a look for a second at at people's main interest in terms of this roster, what we can do, because we got to be productive in our conversations. We got to have some level of positivity. We've got 
to say, we've got to accept the fact that for right now, this is the team we have. We'll let Bobby and Masai do their thing. Of course, there's always going to be people who are going to go on ESPN's trade machine, who are going to try to play like they're a real GM because they play fantasy football and they think they have license to talk as if they're on the same level as Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster. But but we, we've got to be productive and have some like real conversations about the starting lineup. Does it make sense to have Jakob Pertl in the starting lineup? Or is Gary Trent Jr. a better pick? Does it make sense to have Dennis Schroeder on the starting lineup? Or does it make sense to have Gary? Now, I will say this. At the start of the season, when Dennis Schroeder came on our team, looking big picture, I wanted Gary Trent Jr. to start. I did. I wanted Dennis to come off the bench. It's not to say that somebody else couldn't start, but I really think that Gary spaces the floor better than Dennis and gives Pascal and Scotty all the opportunity, right? Like we we talked about Scotty and Pascal, their struggles perhaps being on the court at the same time. But there was bigger issues with Fred being on the court last year than there was Pascal for Scotty's development. And and I think the same is kind of true this year. If you want him to be a point guard, then allow Scotty to be the point guard. Doesn't mean that Pascal can't ha- happen, uh, help him, but the main guy who's our distributor organizer is is Scotty Barnes. Let him do it. Dennis Schroeder struggled the last five six games. Doesn't mean he's not a good basketball player. Doesn't mean that he hasn't been a huge impactful guy on our team. He has been. But I think longer term for the development of Precious, for the development of Malachi, for the benefit of the starting group, and even the development of Scotty and OG, I think the better guy to have on the starting lineup, and certainly the numbers show that now in the last six, is Gary Trent Jr. I also think if you want any chance at re-signing Gary Trent Jr., If, if you think that he could be complementary to OG and Scotty going forward, he has to start. And so for me, I'm willing to try that for 10 games and then compare the numbers and the, and the play of the starters, compare the wins and losses to the team, from the previous 10 games, look at Gary Trent Jr.'s numbers because there were some real good stretches in the 2022 season and last season where Gary Trent Jr. was awfully good. And you know when he wasn't great? You know when he was really inconsistent? You know when he struggled the most? It's when he came off the bench. So if I'm Darko, I have to really consider that. And I know that's a question that's going around. Again, the spacing will be better. I think it will be better for Gary's confidence. I don't think it matters to Dennis Schroeder. 
I don't think his his percentages change that much. So I think you have to seriously consider that shift, Gary for Dennis. I mean, you look at Pascal's numbers overall. He's averaging seven rebounds a game. He's averaging almost 21 points. He's got five assists. Those are pretty strong. And for a guy who plays that kind of secondary distributor role, to have a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio is is pretty solid. It's actually 1.9. Scotty Barnes, almost 20 points a game. He's got 9.2 rebounds, 5.6 assists. He's even stole the ball 1.7 times. His blocks per game, 1.3. He has a 2.3 assist-to-turnover ratio. That's not bad. If you increase uh, their their volume, their touches, their volume as distributors, organizers, do their assists go up? Possibly. If Dennis Schroeder's on the floor, very possibly. Do their turnovers go up? Maybe. Yep, that's possible. But what's the advantage, right? What's the advantage that you get? You get greater spacing. Gary Trent Jr. will be a better three-point shooter with the starters than Dennis Schroeder is and than he currently is right now. And it's been a real real letdown season for Gary, right? He is almost shooting 36% from downtown, but you'd like him to be 39-40%, right? Um, where Gary's really struggled and where we probably could have won at least two games this season. His free throw percentage is a career low 59.4%. That's terrible. OG Ananobi, career low, 67% from the line. Pascal Siakam, 77%. That's about what he's going to shoot. Scotty Barnes is almost 75%. That's about what he's going to shoot. You know, we look at how Pascal's three-point shooting is, 20.5%. Yeah, you'd love that. You'd love that to be where he was over the course of the three or four previous seasons. You'd love for him to get there and be like a 32 33% three-point shooter. But let's not roast Pascal when, when OG is shooting probably 15 percentage points lower than he usually is. And Gary... Gary's 59%. That's all mental. This guy was shooting like 85% from the line last year. Again, if OG and Gary are shooting their their averages, 85 and 80% respectively, the Raptors probably have minimum two more wins. They probably beat Charlotte and they probably beat Cleveland. If they're three-point shooting, you know, OG's has been decent. He's basically third, shooting 39%, 38.8. If he's just up at 40, which is probably a little above his splits over the last four years, and Gary Trent is shooting almost 40. Again, like the, again, the margins are small. And so th- this is where we're at. We're, we're, we're nitpicking about things. But I think... Uh, I think a legitimate decision, a, de- a legitimate change 
And it's not a knock on Dennis Schroeder's game at all. But if you want the starters, and I would even say the bench, to be more effective, to have more impact, to be more positive, to really get the most out of Gary, Scotty, Pascal, to get the most out of Malachi, Precious, maybe even get the most out of Chris Boucher. I would swap Gary for Dennis Schroeder. Doesn't take away what Dennis Schroeder's done so far this year. And the guy is a legitimate leader here, and he should be respected. Dennis Schroeder, I would say, overall is a better basketball player than Gary Trent Jr., but Gary Trent Jr. fits better with the starters. And I think I said that before the season started. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can go back into the archives. Dennis Schroeder's game can close. He might even close over Jakob Pertl and you go small ball, right? And you could start with that group too. You could start Dennis, Gary, OG, Scotty, Pascal. I think you get into some problems energy-wise. I think you get into some problems when you face big teams like Milwaukee, Portland even with, with uh, DeAndre Ayton. You know, you get into trouble against teams like the Knicks and so on and so forth and Bede and, and all kinds of teams. But you get Gary out there and his confidence soars. He's still young. What is he, 25 years old? And Dennis Schroeder can still lead. He can lead with the second unit. Again, less issues now. For Scotty, he doesn't have the pressure when he's leading that second second unit. Dennis Schroeder can help him as a playmaker, but maybe Scotty's now more focused as just a scorer, whereas with the starters, he's more of a playmaking, organizing guy. Obviously, these discussions are happening with Darko and, and company. And let me remind some folks that forgot that the Kyle Lowry era only turned around in December. I think it was late December of 2013 in that 2013-14. I mean, this team was not great, you know, this team, was, this team was struggling. The, the Raptors were 2013, 2014. They finished with 48 wins. But they were about to make a trade with the Knicks. It's been, it's been talked about. And they made a big turnaround. And that just didn't turn around the season. That turned around the course of... Of the franchise. I, I And I don't want to be overly dramatic with saying that, but it's true. It's flat out true. If we trade Kyle Lowry, there's no we the North. If we trade Kyle Lowry, there's no, you know, six straight playoff appearances. Seven straight playoff appearances. If we trade Kyle Lowry, there's no Kawhi Leonard that comes into the mix. 
So the arrow was sitting, you know, was teetering for the Raptors. And they were about to make a decision to trade Kyle Lowry to the Knicks. There was all kinds of roster issues. We were on the on the brink of, of breaking down. The Raptors that year, on December 18th, 2013, guess what their record was? 9 and 14. They had been six and seven. They then lose five in a row to go to six and twelve. They go to nine and thirteen and then nine and fourteen before they turn the season around. From nine and fourteen, they go to seventeen and seventeen. That was eight and three. What a turnaround that was. And that was Kyle and DeMar figuring it out. That was Dwayne Casey and and coaches figuring it out. But the, the Kyle Lowry era was teetering on the brink of extinction. You even look at the the Raptors 2021 season, 2022 season. They were struggling, right? They were really, really struggling. And and what happened? The Raptors turned it around. They found where their strengths were. They tried to minimize their weaknesses. They tried to attack the weaknesses of the opposition and Nick Nurse was able with the coaching staff, with the players to figure out how to make that happen. You know what the Raptors record was on November 30th, 2021, three losses in a row. You know what the record was? Nine and 13. Now I am sure in the Raptors history, they have been nine and 13 before, but it's interesting to me that those two seasons where we won 48 games, where we had pretty dramatic turnarounds, where we had some decent talent and it hinged upon guys finding their way, guys working through the difficulties instead of avoiding them. Because let's be honest, trading guys is just escaping. Tanking is just escaping. Where there is struggle in basketball, in pro sports, you must find a way. I mean, you can apply this to your lives too if you want, folks. But where there is struggle, you've got to figure it out. We've talked about the Boston Celtics that same season, 2021, 2022. They were 500. Emi Adoka and company found a way. They figured it out together. They did the hard work. That's where we're at. Just like 2022 season, November 30th, 2021. Just like December 
18th, 2013. Find a way. Why do I say this? Because the talent's there. The strength of this franchise, the coaching staff, is there. Just as good as those two seasons. The talent, just as good as those two seasons. If not better. But you have to make difficult decisions. You've got to figure out how to get five more points, four more points, three more points a game. Can't just rest on Scotty making three straight free throws, although that would be nice. You got to get Gary an extra look. You got to get Gary a little more confidence. You got to get Precious into some better positions. You got to help Malachi Flynn with some veteran presence instead of Scotty. You got to help Chris Boucher and Precious Achua have more veteran presence. And maybe you take Yakov quicker and put Precious in, and then that second unit that Scotty plays with is Dennis, is Malachi, is, is Chris Boucher, and maybe it's Jakob Pertl, not just OG Ananobi. I don't know. But this can be figured out. It has been by other teams and, and coaching staffs for the Raptors. And the opportunity is there now. It's interesting. I'm not a numerologist. <laughs> but it's interesting that 2013, December 18th, the franchise hanging in the balance. On November 30th, 2021, with frustrations high, expectations low, wanting to just tank and just escape from the difficulty that those teams figured it out. And guess what? We have all the we have the whole path in front of us to make this team good not just for this season. We have more talent this season and have a better clearer pathway to success than we did in 2022 and I would even argue 2013. So what, what are we going to do? we got to find our way. All right, y'all. I'll leave it there. Hope you're well. Hope the Raps get a win against the Knicks tonight. And maybe can go back-to-back wins against Atlanta as well. Three-game winning streak. And all of a sudden, the vibes change. And maybe we feel a lot more like we did after game one against Minnesota than we did against Charlotte in Charlotte after game 24. Peace.